Good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to be with you. We are uh, beginning a new series today. It's a little mini-series, so trust me, there is no way we will comprehensively study this topic. But I do want to take just over the next three weeks just a glimpse at the gift of the God that we worship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't have a singular individual God. We have a God who reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we want to look at that in in the next three weeks. Uh, It's not in that order uh, for a couple of reasons. I thought it was fitting to start uh, today looking at the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but every now and then I I look at what the church has done for centuries. There is a rhythm of the church's calendar. Uh, I say I don't tend to preach by Hallmark's calendar, although I make a tip of the hat there. I like the church's one. So this is actually a Sunday that for centuries the church has recognized as Trinity Sunday. You don't have to worry about all that. Just I do think it's helpful to think at least once a year we're going to remind ourselves uh, that the God we worship is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I thought that that's kind of neat. Next week is Father's Day. So instead of talking about dads, we're going to talk about the Heavenly Father next week. And I'm really excited the next couple of weeks. I didn't know how to do this with the Holy Spirit, as you'll see. But um, I, I like to do some dialogue sermons, some conversational sermons sometimes. So that's what we're going to do next couple of weeks with people who represent those other roles in life. And so next week, I actually am delighted to have a father figure of mine, one of my elders from uh, Lubbock, who's going to come here and he will share about our Heavenly Father. So that'll be exciting. And then I wanted somebody that would kind of exemplify what it means to be a son, a, a, a good son. And so Stephen Grove will share with me in two weeks from now on, uh, on the exploration of the son, Jesus. So I'm excited about that. It's short. We won't cover everything, not that we ever could of God anyway, uh, but just a little taste so we can uh, in, in hear the invitation of God to get in on this life that God has all, always had for all of eternity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's begin Uh, By reading this text, if you have your Bibles or your devices, we're in John 16. Uh, One of the most extensive treatments in the Bible of the Holy Spirit is Jesus' conversation the night he was arrested, the day before he died. And so there's several places in uh, this, what is known as the farewell discourse in John. So again, obviously we're not covering everything. We have four verses here of the Holy Spirit, but it is rich. So John 16, we'll start in verse 12. This is the gospel of our Lord. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. And when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that's why I said that the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the gospel of our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Imagine you, like me, we've all had these moments in life when you've been on the outside of something looking in. Outside of some experience, some relationship, some community, you see something you would love to be a part of. And you want to be drawn in, but you feel like there's some block. I don't know why this one sticks with me, but I remember as a little kid one time going out to play basketball. I got my ball in the hand, and we go out there, and all the courts were full, and there were guys playing in different places. I remember just bouncing the ball, just bouncing the ball, waiting and hoping somebody would say, hey, come on, join this game, or you got next, or something. And, I, and it never happened. I just, 
ah, oh, I was just on the sidelines the whole time. I wanted to be in that small moment, but I felt what it felt like to kind of be on the outside looking in. Sometimes it's far more serious than that. I got a chance to spend some time with my mother in recent weeks, and she told me some stories I hadn't heard before. And one of the ones she shared was, as a little girl, I knew this part of it. They, they were on the tail end of depression. They used to have a decent amount of money, and their family lost all the depression. So as a little girl, she lived in extreme poverty. And she was one of the poorest people in the neighborhood. And she remembers the feeling she had when she would go out to play. And all the other girls would be able to wear nice dresses, nice clothes, and all that. And she didn't have any of that. And she talked about one birthday that she had where her mother said, I'm going to put a party together for you. I'm going to invite all your friends. And can you guess how many people came? One girl came to her birthday party. You know what it feels like to be on the outside looking in or... It's a time I got to spend with a dear friend of mine, and he was telling stories about how he was excluded and he was put down simply because of the color of his skin. For one reason or another, we've all had these experiences of longing to be connected, to be part of something, and feel like we're on the outside. It's one of the reasons I appreciate many, many years ago, shortly after the New Testament was finished, we have already some Eastern Christians, those in Greece and the Coptic Christians, some of the early Christians would describe what they felt like was the heart of the gospel. And now we do this in all sorts of different ways, but I love the depth in which they would share so much more than often we will catch ourselves. If you look, we will talk about the good news that we have to share in in terms that are all about getting away from something or avoiding something. We act like the best that we have to offer is avoiding hell or escaping the brokenness of this world. But that's not the way the Eastern Christians focused on it. This is what they said. What's the heart of the gospel is not about getting away from something. It's about joining into something. In order to understand this, to grasp this, we have to think about this word that early on Christianity, it's in the Bible, but they use this word to describe the God we worship. God is three in one, and we call it the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together. But my favorite image and description of this is the early Christians actually made up a word to try to capture this idea. The word is perichoresis. Uh, You might know parts of this. If you think about periperimeter to go around, choresis, we eventually get the word choreography to dance with. This is why our image is here. But originally it just meant to go around or to come around. And the picture is, by the way, you can have some fun just trying to trace. You know, there's obviously a circle. Try to trace the three things within it. They don't. They don't separate. It's a beautiful picture. The idea of perichoresis was don't don't think of a dance in terms of separate things. Uh, They talked about the interpenetration of the three persons of the Trinity. And they would say that perichoresis, this idea in Scripture, is that each person of the Trinity is fully in the other persons. And all the other persons are fully in each person of the Trinity. And so you get the idea that if you experience one person of the Trinity, you get all of God. If that sounds deep, that's just part of what Jesus is trying to say. In this same discourse, Philip asked him, show us the Father. And Jesus says, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've got the Father. Why? Because of perichoresis, this this eternal dance of God, that if you get one, you get the other. And Jesus is able to say in this text, I know I'm leaving, I'm going away, but I I want you to get this sense that that I will still be there because what you have of me, you will have in the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful picture. Now, are you ready for the Eastern picture? The Eastern image of the good news we have to offer? It's not escaping or going away from anything. The image the Eastern Christians give of the gospel and the good news is that we get to join in on the dance of God. Isn't that glorious? 
We get to get in on something. We're not on the outside. God pulls us in to what has been this eternal relationship that has always existed between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please don't ever fall into the trap. Sometimes Christians get this idea that God was this big bundle of love before he created the world, and he had no one to love. He was lonely, and he created the world because he needed to express that love. That is heresy. Because God has always existed in a communal relationship of oneness. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this cosmic eternal dance of wonder and power and adventure and love. And he had all of that before we were ever here. So why did he create us? Not because he needed us. Because he wanted us to what? Join in the dance. It's a gift. That's the good news that we have. And so we're looking at that over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to start with this just a glimpse of the Holy Spirit. And to understand what's going on in this particular moment, what's going on in the minds and the hearts of the followers of Jesus as he gives them this promise of the Holy Spirit. Well, we've all had moments like this, we know, those times when it is hard to say goodbye. You know those moments, don't you? And in this particular occasion, I'm, I'm thinking about those times when maybe you have trained somebody or you have guided somebody and that there's times where you're going to be disconnected and separated. I, before we even got through today, I got an email from somebody after first service talking about, yes, our children are going off to another country and that feeling of letting them go. I, I think about the first day that any of our children ever went to school. Guys, it was one block away. It was Honey Elementary School in Lubbock, Texas. It was like there's our house, there's a row of houses behind us, and you could throw a rock and hit the school. But it could have been 100 miles away. Why? Because it was our little girl. And for the first time, we take her up to the school and we're letting her go into a whole environment that we can't control as if we ever could. And, and don't you feel in times like that this sense of anxiety, right? If you're a, a guide or a teacher or a parent or something and you're sending someone off, don't you have this kind of anxious feeling where you're like, I want to tell them everything possible in this moment. Here's all the things to avoid. Here's all the things to watch out for. Here's all the things to be open to in that moment. Here's what astounds me about this little passage we read. You don't see any of that anxiety in Jesus. He has just told them, I'm leaving. I'm going back to the Father, and you can't come yet. But there's no anxiety here. There's no sense of Jesus kind of rushing to download. In fact, he says the very opposite when he gives them to him. What does he say? Look in verse 12. He says, I'm much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But he doesn't download it all. He says, no, I don't have to worry about that. Why is Jesus not anxious here? Hear me, this is a great part of the story. Jesus isn't anxious because he's not finished guiding yet. He isn't finished guiding them and taking the next step in the movement of the Holy Spirit. He says, I have more to say to you, more than you can bear, but, but I don't have to do that. Why? Because the spirit of truth is going to come. Next slide, by the way. I, I'm going to keep on giving you direction in light of the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit of truth will come and reveal more of me than I even have given you now in the three years that we were together. And think about this. Part of this promise is the gift for them, but it's also the gift for us. It's a gift of ongoing revelation. I'm not talking about new ideas separate from the Bible. I'm talking about later on, Jesus will say, uh, he's going to remind you of everything I've already said. He's going to convict you of things in your life. He's going to reveal my presence when you need it most. This ongoing sense of revelation. Feel how rich this is in the history of Scripture. Just give you a couple examples of, of part of what the sense is here of the Holy Spirit. 
I love in Isaiah um, 44, it talks about the power of a prophetic revelation of ministry. And God says, who is like me? What other God is there? What other person is like me who does what? Declare what has happened and what is yet to come. We'll talk about this more in a moment because God's revealing about the circumstances of our lives. Or my favorite sense of what, what is captured here in part by Jesus talking about the gift of the guide of the Holy Spirit is in Daniel chapter 2. Maybe you've heard this story before. The king Nebuchadnezzar of Assyria has this dream and he doesn't understand what's going on in the dream and nobody can figure it out. They bring Daniel in. I love what he says in verse 27. Go look at it. He says, nobody can, no human being, there is no seer, there is no astrologer, there's no one that can tell you this. But he said, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And that's the gift Jesus says. I I, I don't have any problem leaving. Why? Because I'm sending back a guide. I'm giving you the revealer of mysteries. And everything that's said about God is true about God's Holy Spirit. He is fully God. He is here to keep on guiding us. And hear me, this isn't just guiding to get to heaven. It's not just guiding to get away from something. He is guiding us into the life that God has created us for. And that could be in huge epic moments of discernment and decision and all that. It could also be just small moments of priceless opportunities in our lives. I told our class on Wednesday about this and share with you just a moment where I just had a tiny little taste of this. Only been here for a few weeks. And we went to a restaurant and we came out to the restaurant and I was standing there in a parking lot in Bryan and I heard a voice say my name. And I looked over and I saw this distinguished gentleman I'd never seen before. I'd never met him before. And he said, I love the way he put it. He said, I'm one of your congregants. <laughs> I not heard that in a while. Like, okay. He said, my name is Hugh McElroy. Some of you know this guy? Now listen, never met him before. Have no idea anything about him. Know nothing about Hugh. I didn't have the opportunity to see the powerful video that Kelly had put together and shared here as Hugh shared his testimony about being the first African-American man to start for Texas A&M. I call him the Jackie Robinson of Texas A&M. I'm so excited. He goes to our church. I didn't know any of that then. I didn't see the clip that so many of you seen when he came in, which he, by the way, will tell you he'd never scored a touchdown in his life. His first one is this, what, 80-yard touchdown or something to beat LSU and to make history, literally. I knew none of that. So I'm sitting here having this quick conversation, standing up in a parking lot, and something inside me, I just, I didn't hear some voices, don't lock me up. But I, I had this sense and I said something I'd never said in my life before. This person I'd never met. I said, I just have a sense you have a story. <laughs> great? Where'd that come from? I'd never said that to you before. I just, I got a sense you got a story. He pulled out his phone. He showed a little clip of something because, you know, they're making like a film. But he said, they're actually making a story about me. And he's so humble, by the way. He said, I'm nothing special. I was just at the right place at the right time. Oh, you know, that's not true, right? But isn't, it's just a small thing. But what does God say? I'm giving you a guide. The Holy Spirit will prompt you to kind of step into some things that you might miss otherwise. Isn't that glorious? And he can do that. If he can do that in small things like a relationship like that, he can do that in the huge things of your life. That's why Jesus isn't worried. When he leaves, I'm going away, but I'm not leaving because I'm giving you my Holy Spirit and I'm going to keep on guiding you in life. Now, here's a powerful thing, too. It's not just any guidance. What the Holy Spirit is guiding us in is firsthand knowledge. 
firsthand knowledge. Listen, this is, this is not like, I, I, I love history and I've read a lot of stuff. I love World War II stuff and all that. And I, I remember a book on my desk when I was a kid and reading about the fighter planes, all that kind of stuff. I'm telling you, there's a world of difference in reading that book and in the day that I went to the World War II Museum in New Orleans. And in the room were veterans from Pearl Harbor. <laughs> and they're telling their story. It is a world of difference when they tell of that experience when I read it in a book. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit of God is not giving you secondhand information. It's not a preacher coming up here and talking about my experience or my reading about God. It is God himself revealing God. Look at the verse here. It says in verse 14, Jesus says he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. He's going to take from what is mine and he'll declare it to you. Everything I have, I, I've, got, I've got the Father in me and I'm in the Father and the Holy Spirit's in me. I'm going to give you this gift. I'm gone, but I'm not. He's going to give you firsthand knowledge. This is God's take on God. This is Jesus' take on Jesus revealing himself. And what's so powerful, this is the way I, I think about this. The Holy Spirit is the guide who's been there before, right? He's the guy that, that has firsthand knowledge because he's been there before. In all the places you want to go and be in life. Think about this. From the very beginning of creation, he has been shaping all of creation and all of human life. He's got his hands dirty right in the middle of the shaping of creation and all of existence. You don't get two verses in the Bible without getting introduced to the Holy Spirit. Right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Verse 1, verse 2 says the Spirit of God was hovering over the chaotic and unfinished world of creation. The Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit was beginning to sculpt and craft all of created existence and life. Do you think he can do a job on yours? This is the Holy Spirit who has been there before. Here's just an image that I give for what the Holy Spirit offers us and what he does not offer us. I remember there was one year in law school I had several classes, two of the classes on my schedule. One was ethics and the other was evidence, right? One was ethics, insert your large joke here, okay? <laughs> Lawyers learning about ethics, you just insert your joke there. But I, I remember going to ethics class, brilliant professor, smart guy, but he was a horrible teacher in one sense. It's horrible. I mean, he was interesting, he was smart. Here's the way to think about it. The job of an, of, of an ethics professor in law school is to teach you how to ethically deal with your client. You get that? There's other things too, but the main thing, how do you deal ethically with a client, right? Now, this guy was brilliant and he was interesting and all that, but he was a bad professor. You know why? You know one thing he never had? Anybody guess? Never had a client. He went straight from academia into teaching. He never had a client. So if we asked a question, we struggled with something, Brian, he could never say, you know what, I had this client the other day, and you know, this is what we talk, and this is how we worked it through. He never had one. He could tell us the book. He knew all the book information. Now, how different he was from our evidence professor. The guy teaches about hearsay and how to get stuff admitted, get stuff. Here's the thing. His name was Earl Dudley. He was just a powerful man, and he, I remember he, just the way he walked. He had one leg that was longer than the other. He had this contraption that had him in the right size, and he'd just kind of walk around the room, and he was just talking. I don't know where his notes were. He was just talking. Here's the interesting thing. The University of Virginia, he did not get tenure in that school. I, maybe he got it later, but for years, year after year, he got turned down. Does anybody know why he got turned down? Didn't publish enough. All he did was, I don't know, practice law for over 20 years in Washington, D.C. And all he did was love his students. He was our, 
uh, mock trial moot court uh, professor and teacher, and he would go places and he would teach us and all that stuff. Here's the thing, every day in evidence class, you know what he'd do? We'd ask a question about that. He'd say, you know what, I had a client one time and had a situation one time, and this is how we overcame this, and this is what we did and all that. Hear me, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is not your ethics professor. He is the evidence guy. He's the one that's been in the trenches. He is the one that's been there. And he can give you firsthand knowledge about what life was intended to be. And I give that to you. The last thing is just powerful to me. He says, I'm going to give you a Holy Spirit. And the guidance of the Holy Spirit is going to equip you for every age or era. To navigate every age, era, circumstance of your life. It's not just one moment. It's not just to get you to heaven. The Holy Spirit is a guide that can guide you in navigating through any era or circumstance of your life. Is anybody a little bit frazzled about the world right now? Anybody just a little bit uncertain about stuff? Heard yesterday that gas prices may hit $8 a gallon before the summer's out. I don't know if that's true or not. I look at what's going on in the world. Is anybody going to stop this or that? I mean, good night. What are we going to do in all this? We have a Holy Spirit of God who is not frazzled, is not confused, is not surprised, is not afraid of anything that's going on in the world. Because this Holy Spirit can navigate any era or circumstance of life. This is what it says here in verse 13. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will declare to you the things that are to come. And that's not just fortune telling. That's not just talking about the future. Listen to the way one scholar puts it. But he says, this guidance of the Holy Spirit relates to all times. Listen to this. That guidance interprets the past, discloses the will of God for the present, and reveals the purpose of God that determines the future. Hear that again. When the Holy Spirit gives us guidance, he gives us a word of God that interprets the past, discloses the will of God for present, and reveals the purpose of God for the future. There is no aspect of your life that the Holy Spirit doesn't stand ready to walk with you. That's why Jesus uses this word paraclete, the one who walks beside us as he draws us into the dance. Nothing in your life. Now here's the thing. It's important to catch this. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit here. I love looking at his names. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. Now let's not read this as... Raised in the Church of Christ, Western thinking folks, because we're reading it in the book of John. You know what's important about the word truth in the book of John? Word truth in the book of John has a capital T. What do I mean by that? You know this. Jesus said, I am the way, what? The truth. The truth in the book of John is not an idea. It's not a list of doctrines that we have to get right. It is a person. And so when he says the spirit of truth is coming, it's not just the spirit that's going to give you information. It is the spirit that's going to give you the person of Jesus walking with you in every aspect of your life. He came to give us Jesus. And that's why Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I am not leaving you alone. And when you're scared and when you're uncertain, when you don't know what's next, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending you the spirit of the capital tree, truth of God who will walk beside you and pull you into the dance. And he'll guide you in circumstances, whether they are marvelous and joyful or whether they are the most difficult circumstances of your life. Friday, I rewrote the ending of this message. Some other time, I'll tell you about my friend Roy and what he taught me. On Friday, one of my best friends and his wife were in town visiting. And if you want to talk about um, unqualified guides, I am horrible at that so like they're coming in like where do we go and so I'm asking everybody and my my favorite guide is Kelly so Kelly 
Where do you go? Where do you take people in college station? I mean, I got a list of some things. But of course, you got to go to A&M, but I mean, it's a big, big school, big university. And so I loved his wisdom. He said, here's the first place you got to go. Anybody want to guess? Where's the first place you go on A&M's campus? Where was it, Kelly? Bonfire Memorial. So we walked out to the Bonfire Memorial. It was so cool because we couldn't get the audio thing to work. And so we had to kind of figure it out alone. It was kind of like discovering, like, why are all the th- why are three here and one here? And then we found the compass, and then we're walking back, and we see 1963. And I said, I bet you there's a 1909 on the other side. Sure enough, it was. It was, it was powerful. But my f- favorite part, it's just so, so moving, is how personal every one of the memorials were using their own words. And this is the one that just grabbed me. Took a picture of it, and then I went and looked at it. The words of Cadet Nathan Scott West. Written when he was in seventh grade. Don't, don't look past the moments. We talk about VBS and we've got the camps and stuff going on. These words were written in times like we're about to do here. And we've been doing all summer. Seventh grader, he wrote this. And I believe that he preaches more powerfully what Jesus is talking about. The gift of the Holy Spirit than I ever could. Listen to what he said. I walked to the altar. I was alone when I began to pray. And I prayed to the Lord to help me through times of temptation so that I wouldn't give in. I felt a feeling of warmth and security surround me and flow through me. And at that moment, I knew for sure, listen to this promise, I would never be alone. Isn't that what Jesus is saying here? When I opened my eyes, I was surrounded by others and I felt assured and strong. And afterward, I never felt weak, hopeless, or alone again. I also believe I never will. Powerful message from a seventh grader. And I believe in those final moments, he wasn't alone then either. Jesus says, I'm not leaving you alone. I will not abandon you through this crazy world. Why? Because I'm giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. And you will never have to be alone in any aspect of your life for wisdom or guidance or presence or in any way. All you have to do is open yourself up and let him invite you in to the eternal dance of God. Father God, we thank you. Thank you that you don't abandon us. You don't leave us as orphans, Jesus said. In fact, you give us the greatest gift of all. It's not stuff or ideas or knowledge. It is the gift of yourself. So, Father, I pray that we so enter into the heart of the life of you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that other people cannot help but be compelled to join the dance as well. To the glory of your name we pray. Amen.